So when they were inventing these bulbs, the problem was is they would burn out extremely quickly. Now, when you pick up an LED bulb, it'll be like, should last for 16 years. When they couldn't get them to last 16 seconds, so they're not useful at that point. So there was this race to find a way to keep that filament burning bright. And Edison spent all of his energy, not on all the other parts of the design, but on finding a filament that could burn for a long time. And so effective was his design that there was little need to improve upon it until very recently with LEDs. But I want you to know that an Edison bulb right now is currently burns in a California fire station. It's called the Centennial Bulb, and it has not been turned off barely at all since it was installed in 1901 and it still burns today. That's 118 years. Eat your heart out, LEDs. Like that is powerful. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. I'm your host, Sam Parham. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is the last week of our series called This Is Us. This has been a series where we've looked at our church code. And um, this is the seventh week of this series, and you might be wondering what what's the seventh code? Well, they're There are only six codes, um, but this week Nathan is talking about partnership and essentially we're making the change from membership to partnership and Nathan's going to spend the majority of this sermon kind of breaking that down for us. Um, So I encourage you to listen. Um, I think that there's some really impactful stuff in it Um, and next week we're going to be starting a new series called Family Matters. So here's Nathan with the message. Enjoy. Welcome everybody. How are you guys doing today? Good. Welcome online. I'm so grateful that you are here. Welcome. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors, and I have been so excited by this entire series, This Is Us. By far one of my favorite, and this message is the most crucial of all the messages we have given so far. And if you're brand new, I'm excited that you are here. If you want to catch up on all of our codes, you can go online to our podcast if you're like, I love podcasting, or if you want to watch the videos, they're all online. But this moment, right now, I've been preparing for for over a year. And so I'm grateful that you are here with me to experience this and those online as well. We are done with the code. It's up on the wall over there. Are you guys excited about it? It's finally up there. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Well, you haven't been paying attention, but we've been adding every single week, and there was a gap. And for those people who are like, ah, it's uneven now, it is complete, and it looks wonderful. And uh, we've really kind of gotten excited about it, but it's not just pretty words on a wall. Like, it's not just, someone asked me, like, oh, are you going to take those down after the series is over? I'm like, No, those are like bolted in. Those are metal. They're staying there. And I love it so that when you walk in and you're brand new, the first thing in your eyeline, we tested it, walked in, look, what's the first thing you see is that you belong. So if you are new, I hope you feel like you belong here, that you feel safe to be here. Now, this series has really made an impact on us. And every week I've been doing something to remind myself of why this is so important. So in my office, I'm a little crafty once in a while. And so I have a wood burning kit and I actually burned these statements into my office wall, um, which caused a few people to be concerned about the smell of what was happening in there. But you can see right there, that's my wall. And I burned them in every single week, one at a time. I began the week contemplating what God is doing for us. So if in my office where I work, it is right eye level to the right of where I work. It is in front of me every single day, this code. 
And it's been making an impact for you guys, so much so that we had a town hall meeting so that you could come and ask questions. And some of the things I'm going to reveal today about partnership, you can hear us discuss at the town hall meeting. It was great. We had about 150 people come out. We asked all kinds of questions, people from the floor and anonymously. And it was great and it was wonderful. And we want to provide that for those who couldn't make it. So the podcast will come out this week and you can listen to it. So if any questions about what we discussed today, you can actually go to the town hall and we discuss it in detail. As, long, as well as some real fun questions and some great things that you might be curious about, so check that out. But this is resonating with people. I, I posted that picture up on my Facebook and then allowed people to comment. I just asked, which one resonates with you? And I was overcome. I didn't expect, you know, Facebook, you don't always know what's going to happen on Facebook, right? It's kind of one of those dangerous things. You're like, what is going to happen? And sometimes it's like nothing. But this time, people really got into it. And I actually encourage you to engage with it later today. If you want to find it on my Facebook page, you can friend me or not. I don't care. It's all good. But um, people shared what resonated with them. And I want to read some for you. The first one was from Bob. And he said, you you belong resonates with me so hard. And I was like, <laughs> it just caught me weird. Like, what does that mean? Like, I love that. Like, how does it resonate hard? Does it like shake you? I, I just love it. Anyways, like, moving on. Ray Marie said, you belong for sure. From the moment I stepped into Life Church, I have felt a sense of belonging. It's an incredible feeling that is renewed continuously. But ask me tomorrow and I'll have another favorite. Open mouth smile emoji. Amy, encounter Jesus. It begins and ends with him. And without that encounter first, without being filled up with him, every other noble activity is a work of well-meaning human striving. Without encounters, we run out of gas while attempting to do the rest. Powerful stuff. Renee said, they are all good. If I were to pick one, probably the relentless pursuit of one more. That resonates with me because I love one more for Jesus. People love relentless pursuit of one more. And Katie wrote, whatever it takes, wherever it takes us, life works is demonstrating what so many folks feel. Going into a community and doing things for the kingdom, it's not easy, but it brings the community together for people that are in need right now. I love that message and what it shows those around us. We can't just go to church on Saturday and Sunday. Church is all week long. That's good. They should have just preached these. I don't even know why I'm up here. Jeff talked about multiply. It's my favorite. Having a background of the Navigators, which is a college campus ministry that encourages discipleship, what we're talking about. I am a byproduct of strong discipleship in my life. And I've already seen how my investment in others have made a positive impact in their life. I'm so excited to take our life journey classes and start being more intentional with the people God has placed in my life to invest in. Laura couldn't pick one, which is great. She said, driven by new life and multiply resonate with me. But I love why. And we'll get that in a second. She goes, I love that all honor and glory belong to God. And celebrating him fulfills what he wants for us to be in relationship with his church. When we celebrate, we will multiply. And when we multiply, we will celebrate. That's good stuff. This code is hitting us, but there's an individual in our church who's struggling through a sickness. She's applying whatever it takes to her life. Going through this sickness, seeing it in the light of redemption. How could this be used? 
to use it to reach those that she might not have been able to reach unless she was sick. And in her words, she says, so whatever it takes, even cancer, wherever it takes us. It's hitting people. But I'm going to be honest with you. The code, it means nothing. It means nothing if it doesn't produce anything. The code, if it doesn't change the church, if it doesn't transform the way we think, the actions we take, what we measure, it has no teeth. It's like a marriage with vows with no follow through. It's like a contract signed to give money so you could purchase a house that never pays out. It's like an advertisement for services for a company with no employees available or capable of doing those services. It's like insurance that disappears when sickness comes. Our code promises nothing if it won't deliver. Our code, it's our unique voice in the world. It's what God has placed inside of us in the word of God, but also through our experiences and what he has for us in this city. It is our light burning in the darkness. It's our light, and this was taken earlier in this series as we held up candles and remind ourselves that it's our job to encounter Jesus over and over again. Our code is our light. But our code is only pretty words on the wall unless we engage. Our code is only pretty words on the wall, nice value statements to slap up there unless we engage. To engage means to take it and act on it, to move forward with the code in some practical way. To engage for the nerds in the audience is Jean-Luc Picard, engage. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like that's good stuff. That's just for you guys in the audience. That wasn't for anyone else. Engage means we take it and we act on it. We move. We make it happen to move forward in a practical way. Now the question is, are we driven by this? Are we driven by this? And we're going to be by the end. I want everyone in this room to say engage. Say engage. engage. All right, we'll get there. Let that build inside of you. Now our code is based not only on who we have been, but on the word of God. It is what will propel us to share the gospel. That's why we have it. It's not just for us to have something fun. It's for us to do something, to engage and we have to look to Christ for our voice, for our light. We have to look to him and what he says to see what Jesus did and to do the same, to go where he sends us. It says we are his disciples if we follow and do what he said. And so I always think of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We've already referenced it a few times in this series. But Jesus, before he left, came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our heart needs to break for what breaks his heart. Our feet need to go where he sends us. He's not just our rescuer. He is our Lord, and he has given us something to do. We've got to engage in the mission. Everyone in here, say engage. engage. So I want to share with you a passage of scripture that's one of my favorite. My favorite book in the Bible right now is Ephesians, my favorite chapter is chapter four, and I want to read you three of my favorite verses. 
is we look to this book to know, to know what we're supposed to do. Verse 11, so Christ himself, not Christ someone else, it was Christ himself, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. This is our purpose. Focuses on the purpose, focuses on the body, the collection of believers. It's to equip them for something, works of service. Why we exist together is because we have something to do, to build the body of Christ into something. We are not here to be passive, but to engage in this process. We have freedom in Christ to live a life of purpose and meaning. That's what our freedom is for. Not freedom to do whatever we want, but freedom to live a life of purpose and meaning. But it also tells me my job as a pastor, what I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to be about doing. It's, it's to equip people for works of service. And I'm going to be honest, that's a challenging job. And I'm grateful to have the full support of our staff and the full support of our leadership team through this process. But I am humbled constantly by the weight of what God has placed on me. Humbled by it. And I lead forward knowing that the mission of what we're supposed to do, that being built up and going and sharing the gospel is greater than my convenience or yours. Then it's greater than my preference or yours. Then it's greater than my feelings or your feelings. This weight, this mission, it's more important than any of that. So we need to be built up. Verse 13. Built up until we reach, all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole measure of Christ. He could have stopped there, but he wanted you to get it. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's a goal until there's an end goal, a goal for our time together to be unified, to be made one. Incredible to have this kind of unity, to be one. This is something that's so intoxicating to those who don't have it. They walk in and they may not be able to tell you what it is, but it's this unity that they sense. And this is what this is about. It's like walking in off a chilly fall day and your nose is kind of running a little bit because it's cold and you've been outside raking leaves and that crunch and making those piles. And you come into the house and you get hit with this warm air, but the warm air isn't alone. There's this smell in the air and it's of a fresh baked pumpkin pie. That feeling, that's a little bit of what that unity is. That's what we go for. Our time is not meaningless. What we do here together, it has laser focus. God wants us to be one, like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Incredible unity. Because when we are, we'll become mature, mature and complete, mature. You know, I mean, we're 16, 17 years old as a church. You know, we're in that, that in-between stage. It's like a young man or a young woman starting to figure out who they are as they become an adult. In Greek, this become mature literally means into a perfect, full-grown man. And it makes me think of 1 Corinthians 13, 11. It said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child and I, I reasoned 
like a child. But when I became a man, I left the ways of childhood behind me. I love the way that it even lays it out, right? It says, I talked, then I thought, then I reasoned. Isn't that like a child? Like, I'm going to talk first, and then I'm going to think about what I just said and reason. Shoot first, ask questions later. That's that kind of feel of it, like this kind of like, whoop, oh, God. But when we become a man, we leave that behind us. When we become a woman, we, we leave that behind us, and we change in a way of thinking, a newness. It's not a change in physical appearance or size that's important when you grow up. It's a change in the way that you think and what you do. And as a church, we need to become mature. It's time to grow up, brothers and sisters. It's time to grow up and become something different. Why? There's a goal. There's a goal. Did you catch it in verse 13? It says the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What if there's always more to experience of Christ? What if there's always more to understand about his love and grace and mercy and power? What if you're only experiencing a partial measure? I mean, that kind of gets me excited. What if John 10.10, 10, where it says, I've come, Jesus has come, that you might have life and life to the full. What if that full life is the whole measure of Jesus? And what if all the fullness of Christ can't be experienced alone? What if the fullness of Christ can only be experienced together? Our code statements are based on the whole measure. They're about keeping us focused on that goal. They're based on the great commission and loving your neighbor as yourself, and they're based on the passion of Jesus Christ and the words in this book, but they are focused on the whole measure. So that's what we're going to talk about today. These two cards, I want you to grab them. Everyone grab them. I can see you in the room, so grab them right here. Just look at them right here. These are important. This one's about partnership. We'll talk about this in a moment. And you can set that aside. But I want you to look at this one and follow along with me. On one side, it says our code. On the other side, it says engage the code. Everybody in here say engage. engage. This is how we're going to do it. There are three statements under each of the code. Try it out, go deeper, and all in. No matter what you choose to do today, no matter who you are, if you walked in this door for the very first time, you can engage this code and be part of what we're doing right now. And so as we walk through that, look and see where your next step is to try it out, go deeper, or go all in. The first code, you belong. We are one body, and Christ is the head. If we want to be part of it, we've got to be part of his body, the church. Jesus died for each one of us. He purchased us at a huge price, a high price, and you belong to him. And if you belong to him, you belong to us. You belong with us. And so we will make space for you. We love what Jesus loved, and Jesus loved you. And regardless of whether you belong to him and whether you believe in him, you belong here. This is a place where you don't have to behave, believe, and then belong. You belong first. Most of the world, you have to behave, act a certain way, do a certain thing. Then you have to believe and think and talk the same way. And then, and only then, can you belong. But here, you belong first because Jesus loved you first. This one has resonated with more people than any other one. Because there's something so beautiful about it. I want to share something with you I haven't said before. Belonging has a purpose. And some people have had struggled 
with this idea of like, well, if you're saying everyone belong, but what if they don't believe what we believe and then they, they're gonna live in that and they're not gonna accept what we have to say and like which things do we work on and all this and, and which ones do we let them in or not? And I said, that's not the right question. The question is they all belong first. Why? Because belonging is for becoming. That they cannot become who God wants them to be or change or do any of that unless they belong first. That belonging serves a purpose so that they can become. You can't change if you don't feel safe to explore what God has to say about you. When you belong, you experience a measure of the fullness of Christ. Another measure. So we move on and encounter Jesus. Encounter Jesus. Encounter the unmitigated and undeserved love of a father again and again and again. When you encounter Jesus, you do not walk away unchanged. So you belong so that you can encounter something greater than you so it can change you. When you encounter Jesus, you do not walk away unchanged. And we talked about the Samaritan woman who had a messed up life and experienced the, uh, Jesus and was never the same Again, so much so that it changed everything. And she went and invited people to encounter him as well. And what we learned that this walk isn't about a proxy encounter, but about a personal encounter. It's not about you encountering Jesus through me. It's about you experiencing Jesus for yourself and about sharing that. And when we engage, everybody say engage. engage. When we engage in encountering Jesus, we experience Another measure of the fullness of Christ. It's time to engage. And then it happens, we relentlessly pursue one more. Relentless pursuit of one more defines our heart and what we're supposed to do. Right after Jesus finished with the Samaritan woman, the disciples came back with takeout. Probably not Chinese, but I imagine Chinese in my head, but that wasn't a thing back then. But he had been waiting all day for food. They brought it and he didn't eat. And they're like, Rabbi, eat. And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture because Jesus was hungry to do the will of God and he was only satiated by salvation and transformation. And we have that same heart that Jesus' heart for us is relentless. It won't stop, can't stop, won't stop. Never stop, never stopping. Despite storms, demons, and rejection, he said one more one more a measure of the fullness of christ to engage we have to have the heart of christ and the relentless pursuit of one more is the heart of what jesus has for each one of us i want to highlight one of these on here i want you to try it out this is an easy way to pursue one more it's this be a friend who brings their friends to church easy be the kind of friend who invites their friends to come with them to church it's simple, and it's a way to pursue one more. And then it starts to cost us a little bit more as we move forward. Whatever it takes, wherever it takes us. And we're learning that some of us have that attitude, most of us do. Whatever it takes, wherever it takes us, as long as it's convenient. And we're learning that what it takes is never convenient. It's what God has for us, this sacrifice, this buy-in. Let's go for it. Let's do it. The greatest illustration from that is Jared stood up here and he put a bib on and he said, are you wearing a bib? And you're just like, here, I'm just eat, consume more, give me more, give me more, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. It looked ridiculous. 
And then he took it off and put on the apron and said, we should instead wear an apron where it says, I am here to serve whatever it takes, wherever it takes me. And I can't help but imagine Jesus putting on a towel and kneeling down to his disciples' feet and washing their feet. To be like Jesus is to experience another measure of the fullness of Christ. And then we multiply, we multiply, we will multiply new campuses, new church plants, new ministries, new things, new services, and it will require so much from us. And there's an enemy out there, and the greatest enemy of the church is complacency. There's this song being sung over us, this lullaby trying to sway us and move us to this beat, this cadence of complacency. And if we are in this cadence, we will never move forward. That is the greatest enemy. And so we have to set goals and we have to do something that breaks that. And discipleship breaks it. Whatever it takes, it requires discipleship. It leaves a legacy. We will not sway to it. Try it out. I love it. I want one more here, just in the first one. Try it out under multiply. Invite your friends to invite their friends. So if you want to do these two really well, here, 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 you want to do multiply and relentless pursuit of, of one more, be a friend who brings their friends, who invite their friends to invite their friends. <laughs> do you follow? Be a friend who brings their friends and invites their friends to invite their friends. See, it's about our areas of influence. See, I'm going to invite the people on the edge of my area of influence, my circle of influence, and I'm going to invite them to invite people at the edge of theirs. And so more quickly, it becomes way bigger than one person. And finally, driven by new life. This is the most important one. This is why we exist, because our function is to give God glory, to give weight to the name of Jesus Christ, and we do that when we are driven by new life and when we celebrate and we're learning that we get more of what we celebrate, that it's good to throw a party when people change. And we're reminded of this father whose son was coming home and screwed up beyond all belief. And he sees them. And then he sees the crowd of people trying to do the ceremony of Kazaza. And they had this pot, and they would break it. And this beautiful moment where, they would, where, where we felt the weight of Kazaza, where they would break that pot. And say, you, son, you have to leave. You cannot be here anymore. I'm breaking this pot because it's breaking relationship. But the father saw them and ran. He hiked up his skirts, man, and his skinny legs and ran to get ahead of that. To get ahead of those crowds and said, no, I love you. You are mine. Now let's go and celebrate that what was lost is now found. We must celebrate that God has given us a new chance. And when we do that, when you celebrate with people who celebrate, you experience the whole measure of who they are. And so, for all of that, I hope that you engage the code. Everyone say engage. engage. For those, everyone in this room can engage, and we encourage you to take the next step. Now, I want to talk about what this means and how we're going to give it teeth and how we're going to move forward. I want to announce today that we're changing membership to partnership, that there is a change to partnership. I'll explain a little bit of what that means. So we did membership before, and in membership before, we had 15 statements that people would sign up to agree on their end to do, 15 different statements. Well, we're going to narrow those down to six statements, six statements. 
to marry and to connect with the code. These six statements also have greater specificity that reflects the heart of Jesus. So we went and looked back at all the training and what was spoken and what we said at these membership dinners, and we wanted to reflect that better and to create greater specificity about what was being said so that it's clear. Because clear is easy to measure, but clear is also consistent. It's something that allows us to move forward. So, and most of them, we created greater specificity. And then the change also means that one-time membership is ending. So if you are a member of this church, in four weeks from now, this week and three more weeks, membership is ending. And one time meant you'd show up, you'd go to a dinner, which we're still going to do. You're going to go to a dinner. And once you sign up, you were a member for life until you indicated that you weren't or moved away. We are ending that process, and what we're starting is a yearly renewing partnership. A yearly renewing partnership. That means every single year, we're going to recommit to these things together. That we're going to stand across from each other and say, okay, remember, this is what we said we're going to do, and we're going to commit to it to the best of our ability for one year. And so what this is here, try it out, go deeper, all in. It reflects a lot of who we are and what we are doing and how we can move forward. But for those who want to be all in and be partners, this is what you can do with us. Now, why did we choose? Why did we choose to change the name from membership to partnership? We didn't want to just do that because it's fun. We didn't want to just do that because it sounds better. We did it for a reason. When I think of membership, when I think of membership, I think of a place that you pay a fee to belong to, right? So that you can get something back. I think of, I think of the gym. I think of yacht clubs. Anyone in a yacht club? Redneck yacht clubs don't count. Anyone? Nope. And there's my country reference for the entire year. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> membership. I think of things like that. But partnership. Man, a partnership makes me think of something different. It makes me think of an agreement. Partnership makes me think of a handshake. Like a handshake deal, a deal between two people who shake hands, a man and a man, a woman, a woman. This, this agreement between two individuals to do something. I think about a handshake and how it used to mean something. How it used to mean something, this agreement where two individuals would come eye to eye and shake on it. Man, it's different than the world we live in now. The world we live in now, it's, it's all full of litigation and contracts and rules and weaseling your way out of them or around them. But when I think of a handshake, I think we're making this agreement and no legal team can come after me because it isn't about a contract. It's about something deeper. It's about your yes being your yes and your no being your no. When I think about a handshake... I think about honor. I think about weight. I think it is so much more powerful now than contracts have become. And instead of justifying our way out of contracts and commitments, how about we agree that this is not a contractual affair, that this is a relational covenant, that this is something we agree to do because there is a purpose bigger than we can imagine. So we better get to it. How about we look each other in the eyes and we shake on it? That's why partnership. But I want to tell you the why behind the what, right? Because it's important. The, the changes don't matter as much, honestly, 
as why we made those changes, why this is happening, why we've agreed to do that. One, I believe that partnership unites us together. It, it unites us together in a way that it, it, that it wasn't doing before. It's a handshake. It's so much more. But also, let's go deeper. These six commitments that follow our six code, they position people to experience the whole measure of the fullness of Christ by engaging. Everyone in here say engage. Yeah. All right, what does that mean? When I disciple people, when I talk to people, when I was discipled, when I talk to pastors and I say, what is necessary for someone who's a Christian to position themselves in the place where they can be transformed by Christ? What is the training wheels? What's the things that gets them in that place to experience Jesus in a way that they hadn't before? It's these six commitments keep coming back to me see it's about the heart it's about what's behind it it's not about fulfilling a contract it's about agreeing together to position ourselves to experience something greater that's one reason the second reason is that we need better engagement of more individuals we need better engagement of more individuals under the old way under membership which is not a bad thing i'm, I'm not saying it's bad any church can do membership that's fine i have no problems with it but the problem was it wasn't working for us let me explain. Of the 515 individuals who are members, I want you in your head to pick a number about how many of the 515 individuals you think were living up to all of the commitments, that were living up to the fullness of it. I just want you to, in your mind, think about it. Give you a second. And I'm going to tell you that right now we found that 60 were. 60 of 515. Let me ask you, do you think that's effective? Yes, and I'll explain why, but... Do you think that's a good number? No. No, it's not. No one in here would say that that's a good ratio. So there's a problem. We have to fix that problem and have better engagement to have a higher percentage of people who have committed live into the fullness of their commitment. That's something we've got to do together, together. And I believe that partnership does that. Now, why is it still good? Because what we have done in this place with 60 core committed people and with everybody else helping as well, what we've done together is incredible. It's powerful. Imagine what we could do with one more. Just one more. One more person who says, I'm all in. It's powerful. It's an opportunity. It's good. Third reason is we have a voice we have a, a, a harmony to sing. We have a song to sing, not of complacency, but of the gospel and of purpose and meaning in this whole entire city. And every single one of us, we need your voice to join our chorus. We have a harmony to sing. And we need you to join that chorus. Your voice needs to be heard. Speaking of marching bands. It's a long week. I didn't have a transition there. I was in a marching band in high school, and don't worry, I was part of the cool section, <laughs> which is not the trumpets. You're wrong. Trumpets, I'm sorry, it wasn't you. It was the drummers. Everyone knows the drummers are the coolest people. That doesn't matter. Anyways, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Anyways, we were in a band. Well, the band was really cool, and it was actually pretty amazing. Um, we were a large band, and we were actually the um, first marching band, the, the, the honor marching band in the Macy's Day Parade the year of September 11th, which I'm telling you, I will never forget that experience my entire life. Months after it happened, we were there. I'm just blessed by that. 
So we had a big band. It was, it was good. They were, they were great. And it's still dorky. It's the band. But we would go on stage. And one year we had this show that we would work on all year. And at the end of this one song in it, all of us had put on our instruments these flash cubes. Now, flash cubes are what they used to use to take pictures. And they are bright. And you would hit them. And there's one point in the song where it's swell, 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 swell. Stop. Dead silence. And we knew everyone was supposed to count to one and then flash. Now, we had 320 people on the field. And when that happened, it was like, it was just amazing. I would get goosebumps anticipating the crowd's reaction to that moment. It goes this sense of awe. Flashes, these moments of illumination are great. Now, we've seen and experienced flashes where we do a series on money, and for the next couple of weeks, people start to give in a way they've never given before. Flash. Awesome. We come to a series, uh, or we, people select a whole series to be part of it. Some of you have committed to be here every single week, and it makes a huge impact. Flash. Volunteer one time for the first time. Just try it out even though you're nervous. Flash. It's this moment of illumination. It's inspirational. It's beautiful. We've been kind of church with flashes. The end of the year, what we committed to doing together, but at the end of the year, we're always way behind. We're kind of church who, who catches up at the end of the year financially. And some people do it by giving an incredible amount of money at the very end of the year, and that's like a firework. Boom. Oh, it's inspiring. Oh, it's exciting. Oh, it's necessary. Oh, it feels so good when those moments happen. It's awe-inspiring, and it's necessary, yes. And the reality is, if you don't know this, right now, we're $150,000 behind what we committed to give. Spending, we've ratcheted way back, but $150,000. Let that sink in for a moment. And there's someone in the room who has the capability of making a flash. And I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to do that. God is always going to take care of us. This is a powerful moment. These flashes, they're amazing. They're necessary. They're good. And we'll never stop having these moments where someone does something incredible, small or big, but it's incredible. Flash. It's like a dark night and a summer storm and a lightning strike illuminating the darkness for this brief, beautiful moment. But there's something that's better. There's something that's more powerful. There's something that is so good. And I want to talk to you about that. It's about lasting engagement. So here are the six commitments. Here are the things that we commit together to do if you want to become a partner like these people have yesterday. One, I will join or lead a life group to create community and belonging. You belong. Create a space for other people to belong. Two, I will pray, study the Bible, and submit control of my life to Jesus to grow in my faith. Encounter Jesus. Three, I will serve at least once a month at Life Church to reach one more for Jesus. So relentless pursuit of one more. Join us as a team as we do it together. Continuing on, I will give 10% to Life Church and grow in generosity beyond to join the mission and to move the mission forward, whatever it takes, wherever it takes us. Frankly, the giving doesn't just apply to one of these, none of these just apply to one, but to give it some teeth and understanding that whatever it takes, it does take 
but it can do so much more. Continuing, I will influence one other person for their spiritual growth to live out the great commission and to make disciples multiply. And finally, I'll prioritize the weekly gathering with my church community to worship God weekly, to glorify God together as a community because we are driven by new life and we have to celebrate what God is doing. The heart behind these six commitments as you're looking at them, as you're contemplating them, as you're thinking about whether this is something you're going to commit to for a year or work this year towards. If this is something you're contemplating, I want you to know clearly, I'm going to say this as clear as possible, this is a heart issue. This is about your heart and our heart together, and it's about the mission. Because the mission matters more than our preference, our convenience, and our feelings. Hear that. I want to tell you about the Edison bulb. He didn't, invite, uh, in, he didn't invent the Edison bulb, but Edison, he invented the bulb that many of us used for a very long time. I'm a bit of a light snob. I love lighting so much, what it can do for the mood of the room or how the lighting can kill the mood of the room. Do you know what I'm talking about? When you got some fluorescent lights flickering right there, I think they were made by Satan and they drive out the Holy Spirit. Like... It's not true. I have a light sensitivity, so I'm just like, like I can't handle it, right? Light matters to me so much so that when we built a campus before, I was like, no fluorescent lights in this entire campus, and the Spirit of God was always there. No, I'm just kidding. But incandescent light, incandescent light is such a good word. Incandescent means glowing with an intense heat. Oh, that's good. I just, oh, yeah, that's manly, like intense heat. I love that. So when they were inventing these bulbs, the problem was is they would burn out extremely quickly. Now, when you pick up an LED bulb, it'll be like, should last for 16 years. When they couldn't get them to last 16 seconds, so they're not useful at that point. So there was this race to find a way to keep that filament burning bright. And Edison spent all of his energy, not on all the other parts of the design, but on finding a filament that could burn for a long time. And so effective was his design that there was little need to improve upon it until very recently with LEDs. But I want you to know that an Edison bulb right now is currently burns in a California fire station. It's called the Centennial Bulb. And it has not been turned off barely at all since it was installed in 1901 and it still burns today. That's 118 years. Eat your heart out, LEDs. Like, that is powerful. It's called the Centennial Bulb, and there is a live stream of it. You can go check it out right now. If it burns out in the middle of this message, it'll be terrible. But anyways, it's good. Why do I bring this up? Why is this important? When we're ta- Why are we talking about Edison bulbs? Because partnership, agreeing together, It's the switch for you. It turns you to this glowing, burning heat. Something that changes things. It's not about a flash in the pan. That a flash isn't bad, but this is something deeper and greater and better. It's it's the why behind the what. These six commitments, they, they position people to experience the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then when we better engage together and more individuals grow, we continue to see the movement move forward. And we have this voice to, and harmony and chorus to sing. But partnership, 
Partnership will cast a lasting light. A lasting, consistent light. A light that lasts long enough not just to illuminate injustice, but to drive it back. A light that lasts long enough not just to kick the can down the road, but to take more ground for the gospel. A light that isn't hidden under a bushel or excuses or distraction, but that consistently declares with a white-hot heat the truth and righteousness and goodness of Jesus Christ. And that could be you. Imagine what could happen if you engage in the code and we shine a light together. Imagine how we would drive back the darkness and keep it back. Let's commit to each other for one year that to the best of our ability, to the best of what we can do, that we will commit to this together. Partner with us. Partner together. This is me. I will commit myself and my family to these agreements and beyond. This is our staff who has already begun to do this this year and is living into it already. This is our leadership team who has agreed that this is the way to move forward. This is us, but, but this could be us, all of us. Add your light to this legacy. Add your voice to the chorus of the gospel. We can flood the world with light to illuminate the darkness and the world is full of darkness. I'm gonna to get to this card in just a moment. But right now, it's time to worship God. It's time to have a moment to encounter Jesus. Will you stand with me? There are those in this room right now who don't know Jesus Christ, who don't have a relationship with him, and you are ready to make that change. What we're gonna do right now is I'm gonna pray with you and I encourage you to make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, to encounter him in a new way, to give your life to Jesus, to encounter him. And you can do that by praying with me. So let's close our eyes. Holy Spirit, be in this moment. Continue to work on our hearts. Continue to allow us to make decisions about who we're gonna be and what we're going to do and what we could see God do through us. But for those who want to make a decision to follow Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Talk to God. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. You can say it in my words or you can say it in yours. But I'm just going to help you have a conversation with God so that you can experience the truth. No matter where you're at, in this room or online, that you can encounter Jesus for the first time. Or come back to him. Pray this with me. God, I, I've got some brokenness in my life some things that have disconnected me from you. I realize I can't pay for those. I can't fix those. But I believe Jesus can. And so today, today, I will follow Jesus. I'll be made new and clean and whole. I'll have an eternity with you. 
and I will shine my light into the darkness so others can find this hope that I have found. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, text I'm New to 734 349 3475 or fill out the form linked in the show notes below and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you came to Life Church for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.